Welcome to Torah from Temple of Aaron in St. Paul, Minnesota. Here is the place to hear much of the great sermons, teachings, and speakers happening each week at our synagogue. Whether you are able to make it in person or not, each week you will find new Jewish content to inspire, motivate, and bring meaning to you wherever you find yourself. I hope you enjoy the teaching and feel free to contact us anytime about it by calling us at 651-252-6411 or emailing us at Rabbi Marcus Rubenstein at templeofaron.org. Enjoy and we hope to see you soon. Hello everybody. Today you will hear a sermon I gave on March 19, 2022 at Shabbat morning services at Temple of Aaron for Parshat Sav. I spoke about the need to readjust our understanding of the way that God sees us, from seeing each of us as an individual to seeing each of us as a member of a larger community in preparation for the Pesach holiday. I hope you enjoy. So who likes group projects? Who likes group projects? <laughs> Don't have to do as much. Who can't stand group projects? Right? <laughs> Rachel famously cannot stand group projects. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I always had a rocky relationship with group projects growing up, right? You, you, you are part of this group and you never know sort of who you're going to be with and, um, you know, are you the hard worker? Are you the one who's really working hard and then, you're gonna, and then everyone else is going to get credit for the work that you're doing? Or you have no idea what you're doing, and then you're kind of let down the group, or, or you know, everyone gets angry at you that you're the person who's kind of schlepping along, you know. And, and, and you know, especially for someone who, who constantly gets good grades, I'm looking to someone over here who's gotten straight A's all of her life, unlike some people over here who have not gotten straight A's all their lives. What'd you say? She got a B plus in honors chemistry. It was the worst day of her life. Still thinks about it all the time. Um, it's not me, it's her. Exactly. So, you know, group projects are difficult because, you know, when you work with someone else, you really have to be responsible for someone else's work. You really are, you're going to be penalized for what someone else does. And it's, it's not your work, it's somebody else's work. And so group projects are very, very difficult. But of course, they're very, very important. And it's important how we work with other people and important how we come together. Um, yet, we're told in American society, it's so important, of course, the, 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 the sovereign individual and how important, we're all each judged on our individual merits. And it's such an important part of American society. And the more and more we kind of progress, the more and more our society becomes individualistic as we can each you sit behind our own computers or iPhones and sort of create our own world around us, right? Where we don't actually have to deal with anybody else in the world. More and more we can order food um, not by actually talking to someone, but by going on the internet, right? And ordering DoorDash, right? Now you go into some restaurants and you don't even order from a person. There's like a, a screen. So you don't have to actually talk to anyone, right? Which is an unbelievable thing. You know, you call people in my generation and you call them on the phone and, like, and, they, and they look at you like, why are you calling me? You could have texted me, right? So more and more, we, we are starting to distance ourselves from each other and all that matters is our individual merits, right? Um, and especially now with 
going through the COVID pandemic, more and more um, we've been sequestered alone as individuals, and it's so nice to see so many smiles today and so many people's faces as we hopefully are coming out of this. And I, I don't think it's um, shocking that there was a New York Times article um, just yesterday um, in the, in the, that, that there is a, a, a national problem with the depression, national depression hotline, mental crisis hotline. There's a hotline to call that if you're having a mental crisis situation, you can call and you can talk to a mental health professional in emergency. And they were, there's a big problem throughout the country is that so many of these calls are being dropped because there's literally not enough people to man the phone lines because there's so many people who are having mental crisis situations of depression. And unfortunately, if you look at the maps in the country, uh, they have the states it's of, of which color it is, of who was dropping the most calls. Unfortunately, Minnesota is in the top three states of dropping calls. 25%, over 25% of calls are actually dropped. Um, in Minnesota if you make a mental health call. And so now the New York Times article was that they're actually changing the number. So now there's, it's not a long number, it's going to be, not, you're going to dial 988 and you're going to, like an emer like a 911, but 988 and you're going to get to a mental health professional that an emergency person is going to come over your house, not a police officer, but a mental health professional. And uh, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a good thing. I think that it's a good thing that, but the, the problem and what I'm trying to bring people to here is the fact of the matter is that we have a crisis going on in this country. I don't think this is good for us, that we're so much, it's all about me. And if I make a failure, if I do something wrong, then everything's over. And if I do something good, then nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is that I've had an achievement, right? That's going to lead, that's leading us down a very, very dark path of being sequestered alone. And I think belonging, belonging to community, seeing ourselves as part of community, identifying ourselves as part of a larger community is what saves us all the time and is responsible for lifting us up in the times of darkness. And I'm going to posit today that that's what Judaism is all about. You see, we're 30 days before a very important holiday. Does anybody know what it is? Pesach and Passover. And the, our Torah tells us, the halacha tells us, laws tell us, that 30 days before Passover, we should start thinking about Passover and looking at the laws. And guess what? It's 30 days before Passover, so it is time to start talking about Passover. Who's ready for those jelly snacks? I know I am. Very exciting. After we get over the hamantashen from the sisterhood, we can start thinking about the jelly snacks. <laughs> What'd you say? Macaroons, exactly. Oh, macaroons. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go, guys. So Passover is coming, and the central element of Passover is the sacrifice that at least was the sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb. This was the central act in Passover, was to sacrifice this lamb. And unlike other sacrifices, this sacrifice could not be made alone. The way the practice actually worked is that the community would come together and purchase a lamb. I, I just like wish we could still do this. The community would come together and purchase a lamb. They would travel to Jerusalem together. They would sacrifice this lamb, and then they would eat the lamb together. I mean, can you imagine this? Like, I know I just came after two vegetarian rabbis, um, but if we had if Passover was all about having a lamb barbecue out in the parking lot, that would be pretty fun. Um, 
sorry, uh, Rabbi Miller and Rabbi Fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, it would be pretty fun, and I like lamb, and that's one of your favorite foods, and that's what used to happen. But what was interesting about this lamb, can you eat a lamb alone? Can you eat a whole entire lamb alone? Maybe, maybe some people can. Most people cannot eat a whole entire lamb. So there was actually a requirement that you would buy a, a share of this lamb, that there needed to be at least 30 people who would buy a share of a lamb, and at least 30 people would go down to Jerusalem together and have this lamb barbecue together and then eat of it. And that's what Passover was, is the whole entire Jewish people, each community sitting next to each other, having so remember, imagine Temple of Aaron going together as a community down to Jerusalem and having this together along with Bethel and Adat who would be next to us. Um, there would be the Minnesota region, I imagine like the Democratic primaries or something like that, you know, or the Republican, like they're all next to each other, right? That's how it would be. It would be an amazing bonding experience. But what's unique about this mitzvah is that it's obligatory that you can't, you can't, even if you're a very rich person, you can't buy your own lamb and bring your own lamb and make your own lamb sacrifice. You have to do it together. And what's amazing about this is the sacrifice of the lamb is the act of identification with the Jewish people. What it means to be a Jewish person from the beginning was to make this Paschal sacrifice. It's tied up with what it means to be a member of the Jewish people, what it means to be a redeemed to believe in the redemption of the Jewish people from Egypt. It is the central act of Passover, and it can only be done in a unique way in community. But of course, isn't this unfair? I mean, if this is an act of identity, isn't it annoying that God can't see us individually? Right? Isn't it better to be seen individually? Right? If I do good, then God will reward me. If I do bad, things, bad things will happen to me. But instead, I'm judged actually as a member of a community. Believe it or not, God doesn't really see us as individuals. God sees us as members of community. And God judges us communally. So therefore, we are punished for the sins of our neighbors. I know, unpopular idea in America today. Because why should I be punished for the sins of my neighbors? But Judaism radically sees us all as a collective, all as responsible for each other. That's what Kol Yisrael Aravim Zelazeh actually means, is that we're all actually responsible for each other. And that's a radical understanding today within American society. That we're not just judged, we're not really judged as individuals, we're judged as a community. And we can see this throughout Judaism over and over again. I'm just going to go through a couple of examples. Public worship. Need a minion. You need ten people, otherwise we can't technically pray. The priestly blessing. When the priest would say the blessing for the people, the priest, the, priest, the Kohanim, could not say that blessing without at least ten people. Reading from the Torah and the prophets. right? Reading from the Torah. We literally can't receive God's revelation. We can't read the Torah without a community. And, you, and most people don't even know this. A wedding. Did you know you can't have a wedding, a truly a Jewish halachic wedding, without a minion? Did you know that? You need the community there to have a wedding. Why would you need a community there for a wedding? It should, isn't it just between two people? No. It's the change of status of two people within a larger community is essential for that ritual. You literally can't say the Sheva Brachot, the seven famous blessings, without a minion. 
You need that. Even ancient funeral ceremonies, this has now changed, but ancient funeral ceremonies used to need a minion, that you literally couldn't bury someone without a minion. Okay? The recitation of the 13 attributes, right, calling on God's compassion for the people cannot be done, you know, Hashem Adonai Adonai Al-Rachum Vechanun. You can't do that without a minion because God doesn't have that compassion unless there's a community, right? Because God's compassion stems from the fact that we work together as a community. And lastly, I think the most stunning of all, the recitation of Birkat HaGomel, Birkat HaGomel, the blessing of Gomel. Does anyone know what that is? Birkat HaGomel? What is it? Exactly, right? So God forbid something terrible happens to me as an individual. You come back to shul the next day and you say a blessing, for, blessing that God has saved you and redeemed you. You cannot do that without community, which is crazy. It's an individual thing. God saved you, not the community. So why do you have to do that in terms of community? And then, of course, the crowning achievement of all is the Korban Pesach, which we just talked about, the sacrifice of the Passover offering, which is the, literally the act of identification with the Jewish people, only can be done with not 10, not 20, but actually 30 people you need. You need a triple minion in order to have Korban Pesach. And this is just so countercultural. The most important things in Judaism for a Jewish person cannot be done except within a community. And this is exactly opposite of the ideas in which we live. How many people want to have a barabat mitzvah and they want to have it with their, their, their rent-a-rabbi over in their private hall with just their family, right? But that's not, that's not the way. That's actually, I mean, of course, people can do whatever they want to do. It's America here. But the Jewish traditional way is to have it as part of a community. A bar mitzvah is a member of a larger community, which is why it's so essential. And that's why, in this Parsha today, where we're talking about Parsha Tzav, we're talking about the sacrifices today. We didn't get to talk about the sacrifices back in Parsha Vayikra because we were talking about Purim last week. So let's talk a little bit about the sacrifices. The sacrifices were all offered in one place. Could you offer a sacrifice out in the desert, in the wilderness? No! The sacrifices would all happen in one place, the Mishkan or the temple, in one place. And what maintained the purity of the temple was actually the acts of the Jewish people. Jacob Milgram famously talked, Rabbi Jacob Milgram talks about this famously in his book on, on Leviticus, an amazing conservative rabbi, actually says that we didn't understand this before, but now we understand that individual acts and transgressions affects the kedusha, affects the purity of the, the area of the Mishkan and the temple. That if enough Jews do transgressions, it affects the communal place of worship, right? So if, let's say I go out and I do a transgression, it actually affects the communal place of the Mishkan so that the, the community can't offer a sacrifice. That each individual's actions actually has an effect as a whole. And so what the sacrifices do, our ability to do the sacrifices, is a representation and an outlook of what the community actually looks like. And that's why sacrifices can only happen in one place. Because if sacrifices can happen everywhere, then it would all be based on the individual. But sacrifices only happen as a community. Communal responsibility. Because again, God sees us and judges us as a community, even though, as I said, group projects are very, very difficult and very hard. 
Right? Because again, I could be really good, but if my neighbor's doing terrible things, I'm going to be punished along with my neighbor. Right? And that's not really fun. But that is what God wants of us in this world. And I have to say, I came from a synagogue previously in which I was the only full-time staff. The only full-time staff person. It was me. There was an executive director who was part-time, who certainly worked more than part-time, but was paid part-time at least. But I was the only full-time person. I would lead the services. I, would, I was the chazan. I led high holiday services. I read the Torah. I read the Hav Torah. I cooked the cholent in the back in the kitchen. Okay? I opened up the building at night. I turned off the alarm. I turned on the alarm. I, I went in the building at 3 in the morning when the alarm went off and I had to tell the police what was going on. I did everything in the synagogue. And it was empowering because it was my, it was like, it was me. And if the synagogue did badly, it was my fault. If the synagogue did well, it was, it was my fault. Right? So it was very empowering. It was very nice. And I came here and I had to figure out and I actually had to learn how to work as a community. That there are multiple full-time employees here. Hey, working with Rabbi Rachel here and Cantor Educator Josh and, and Ken and I have all, and Susie and now Kristen in the office and Kim, all of our amazing staff and all of, all, of, all of our lay partners working in here. And there was like a big curve of me learning how to work with this whole entire larger community. But all of a sudden I see how much better we're doing when we work together. That I don't have to be an expert at everything. That I have my own inadequacies. I have things that I'm not as strong on. Everybody has something that they're not as strong on. Yet we work together. And when we see a success in Temple of Aaron, it's not my success, it's our success. When I succeed at Temple of Aaron, it's everybody's success. When Rabbi Rachel succeeds at Temple of Aaron, when, we, when you succeed, when we have over 30 people at our volunteer at Fermatinol Evionim for Purim, that's all of our success. And that is the difference. That's empowering. Because that means that sometimes I'm not going to have a great day, but my community is going to lift me up. And I say that this is the way we have to see the world around us. That if we float, everything depends on us in this world. We're going to fail sometimes. And we're going to suffer. And we're going to, honestly, we're going we're to fall down. But if we stick together, if we actually act like we're responsible for each other, if we actually understand and internalize the fact that God judges us as a community, not as individuals, I really think in the end we'll be lifted up. And in a larger sense, not just to see that as a Temple of Aaron community, as, an, as, as the employees here as a team, which we're, we certainly do, especially demonstrated the fact that we're co-rabbis. There's not a senior and assistant rabbi that we're co-rabbis together. But even more, that different synagogues play different roles. Beth Jacob plays a role for certain kinds of Jews. Temple Aaron plays a certain role. Chabad plays a certain role. Mount Zion plays a certain role. Each Jewish community plays a certain role and deserves to exist and deserves to flourish. And we believe that it floats all boats for all organizations to succeed. It's not like we're in a competition for one to win over the other, but we're all trying to work together. And I believe that we all work together. We are all spokes in a wheel. And without each spoke at the proper tension working well, then the wheel ain't going to turn. And that's what it's about, my friends. How do we internalize together that we are a community? That whether we like it or not, God judges us not as individuals, but as a community. That when you mess up, I get punished. 
When I do good, you do good. We are in it together. We can save each other or we can drop each other. And right now in this country, we are in a mental crisis, a mental health crisis. And I really believe that the only way that we're going to make it through is if we understand that we are one union. We are together. We are the United States. <laughs> we are the united people. We are a community that comes together and sticks together and is there for each other. So I ask each and every one of you as we get and prepare for Pesach to once again renew our commitment to God and renew our commitment even more so to each other that we remember Kol Yisrael Aravim Zeh Each and every Jewish person is responsible for each other. We're judged together and our destiny always will lie together. Shabbat Shalom, everybody.